You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler. With me, as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, how are things, man? Hey, pretty good. The weather has been rainy here, but it's down to like 68, 65 degrees, and college football is right around the corner. The Big Ten Network stopped in Iowa City yesterday, so good to hear about what's going on inside my Iowa University of Iowa Hawkeyes team and uh, ready for football and just starting the the wedding planning stuff as well. So busy, busy. And I have a, a gig this weekend with the band that I'm in. So just staying busy. There you go. Yeah. I talked to my wife about coming down in November for an Iowa game. Oh, yeah. And uh, she was she was pretty pumped. She goes, yeah, go ahead. Do it. Hey, and you can come watch your boy Clayton Thorson get beat up by my <laughs> quarterback, Nate Stanley. We'll see. We'll see. But no, uh, anybody out there want to meet up meet up with us for the Northwestern and Iowa game? That's the one we're looking at for getting a, getting together for a building the Broncos reunion. Well, not really reunion. I guess we've never really met, have we? So a union. Mm. Is that weird? Don't tell my girlfriend or fiance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, we're finally getting to, to meet in person, hopefully there in November. And I get to watch my first Iowa Hawkeye game and and get to see my boy Thorson, who I hope is is getting ready for a big year. So it should be a good time. But we also love to talk about our Broncos. And we want you to know that our Building the Broncos is focuses on all things pertain to your Denver Broncos as it relates to the upcoming season and and building the the entire roster. With Nick and myself being armchair GMs, we bring you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode. From scouting reports, player value, scheme, and personnel fits, and of course, a little general football-related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kendall MHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have, because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod, and make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at MileHighHuddle.com, part of 24-7 Sports, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football, draft, and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time and go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Now, before we get to the actual show here, we want to first take, take a second to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Well, Nick, we got to see a little bit more of the, the starters this last week. And there, there were some, there was a lot of good and there's a lot of bad, of course, and, and we're going to get a chance to talk about it all. But uh, we thought we'd start off with just some, some post-game thoughts here of the Chicago Bears game. And you and I both agree, one of the areas that is not getting talked about enough for this Broncos team is the offensive line. They have actually, for, for the most part, they've, they've had some troubles here and there, but for the most part have looked pretty consistently good. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Now, like we talked about, if you listen to the last week up, last week's episode of, you know, the scouting of the Bears, the Bears edge rushers are not very good. You know, Leonard Floyd, he got hurt in this game and behind that, not very good. So the tackles, I mean, Bowles has looked better and better every single week. I think he looks better this season. No penalties yet either. So that's great. And Veltier has kind of been up and down, but the Bears have bad tackles. And both of those guys struggled much more against Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin, despite it only being six plays uh, the week prior against the Vikings. So a little bit of preview there, but we'll talk about what they face this week against the Redskins. But yeah, the offensive line overall, I think it looks pretty good. And they have some depth options that look better than even some of the starters have looked over the past few seasons. So watching a lot of preseason football games, you know, just because the football served, I can tell you, you know, the Broncos offensive line, while it's not going to be a top 10 unit most likely in the NFL this season there are so many offensive lines that are much worse and even the depth like the depth of offensive lines across the league is just so poor right now so the Broncos having even if it's just an average offensive line 
that's leaps and bounds better than what they've had for at least five seasons. And fans should be happy about that. They can stop chastising Elway and we can get over the stupid scapegoat that is always the freaking offensive line. (laughs) It really irritates me because people who don't really know what they're watching or talking about see one play go wrong or something like that. And they point the finger at the offensive line. It's it's an easy scapegoat. And yes, of course, it's great to have it, but it's not easy to find good units in the NFL these days on the offensive line. Hard to find the talent. And when things go wrong, everyone just points to them. So they're looking good. Got to give them props when they're playing well. Oh, exactly. And one guy I'd love to point out, and we're going to talk about him more individually here in a little bit, but some of those interior guys, Leary, like you said, he struggled a little bit. I'm just going to chop that up to first time being an in-game action since he got hurt last year. But Paradis and McGovern, McGovern especially, I'm, I've been pretty impressed with him. He's He's been holding his own there at his spot, and they seem like a unit that could really do a little bit of damage this year. And you add in the upgrade at quarterback on top of having an upgraded offensive line at, with an upgrade with their weapons – I mean, this is just setting up to be a pretty decent offense. I'm not going to say it's top 10. I'm not going to say it's any kind of elite offense, but with a defense that's probably going to be pretty darn good, we'll talk about that a little bit more of, of where we're going to kind of get them at. But but again, you, you got two units that can work together, and they can win a lot of games, uh, either offensively, defensively, or even some special teams. And I, I want to talk about that too. We got a lot to talk about, man. There, there was a lot to see in this game. And that's what I love about preseason is I know a lot of people are like, Oh, it's terrible football and it's boring. And uh, I love preseason football. Yeah. You, you get into these battles, you get into who's looking good. Who's looking bad. You get to see those back at the end of the, the roster guys that you won't get to see as much during the season, but going to see the potential for seasons in the future. And, and like I said, just these battles. And that's the next thing we're going to talk about the running back battle. I, as much as I know a couple weeks ago, people were saying, well, it looks like Booker's going to get to start week one. I'm, I'm not so sure if I had to rank the running backs of how they've looked so far, I would say, I guess I'd have to say Lindsay is probably the best so far. Yeah. I agree. I mean, just explosiveness, ability to make some big plays out of nothing, wide receiving, you know, receiving ability. He's a decent blocker, not great. He's just an all-around great player. And then I'm going to have to go Royce Freeman after him because he is showing some very good vision for a, a rookie running back. His his touchdown run. There was again, Leary got beat and the hole closed up where he was supposed to go through. He sidestepped and then all of a sudden saw a new hole open up and shot through, scored a touchdown. That was some very good vision. That's and something patience. That, yeah, and patience. And that's something Devontae Booker would have just ran right into the back of Leary, and it would have been a loss of two yards kind of play. Yeah. I, I mean, if we're being honest, so Booker's down on my list. I'd say, like I said, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman. Everyone else. Uh, Everyone else, yeah. <laughs> Nobody else has really separated themselves. Nobody else has done anything of, of real note. Yeah. Henderson so it's just – Right. Yeah. Williams is – he hasn't really gotten much of a chance, but even there, his chances, he hasn't done anything too exciting. So, uh, I mean, it's I, – I think for the starting role, it's going to be between Booker and, and Freeman. But Philip Lindsay's going to get plenty of run in there too. Yeah, he's more of that – you know, a specialty back that doesn't really have the size that you want to run between the tackles very often, but you're going to scheme him some touches and he's going to be a valuable weapon in the passing game and potentially the return game as well. But I agree with you. I like what I've seen from Freeman. I, you know, I was definitely lower on the pick and I'm still lower on the pick than some other options. Cause I think, you know, you can probably wait until day three or heck even undrafted free agency cough Lindsay uh, to find running back talent in the NFL. But I think Freeman's definitely got a chance to come in right away. The biggest hindrance to his ability to come on the field right away is that all talk out of Dove Valley is that he's still struggling with pass protection as far as concepts and technique. So they say Booker's a good one, even though I've seen Booker miss his fair share already through in preseason as far as pass blocking. But that's that's the main talk that keeps coming about Freeman as the, well, pump the brakes. Are we Is he going to totally see the field? Because his pass blocking is a major deterrence, and if you don't have it, like we've harped on here, it's going to keep you from the field. But I agree with you. I think Freeman's the guy who's definitely pushing his way to that first spot. And I like that because I think this team, you know, they have weapons on the outside. And I think Keenum is a 
not to be a chemistry dork here, but a limiting reagent to how good this offense can be this season. You know, he's the guy who's, I mean, he can run the offense, but he's there's some throws that he's just physically not able to make that's going to limit what they can do. So that's that's important. So I've, I've offensive line getting better. You know, hopefully, I think the pass protection is better. I'd like to see the run push be a little bit better. Leary was struggling a little bit with that. Um, Veldier as well. So hopefully, we'll see that a little bit better. But the running backs coming there, and then hopefully, as that run game gets going, then you can start to see some more explosive passes off play action. But now speaking about the passing game, Keenum, I thought, you know, he's definitely better than he was week one, even though they're, you know, practicing some concepts, not really game planning, but he looked better. First drive, not the best, you know, flying ball high a little bit, some ball placement stuff, which people are talking about. He's not been like that in camp, but that's, you know, something to be aware of. You know, a lot of times those guys that don't have that arm talent to push the ball outside the numbers consistently will tend to float those passes high as they're afraid of you know laying something out there that's a, a duck pass that can be an easy pick six if a cornerback or safety breaks on it so that's something to watch and he also missed a couple big big boy throws as i'll call them in the end zone you know that throw to sanders uh, the throw to jay sean hamilton those are passes that you you know if you're playing the bears preseason you know whatever but let's say this is week 15 and you're in a divisional battle and you got the chargers at home and you miss that pass on third down where hamilton ran a beautiful route and gets open that that's a make or break pass on the season. So I'm going to need to see Keenan be a little bit more accurate. Those throws. He looked brilliant. You know, there's a pass where he waited for a window to open up and got Deshaun Hamilton over the middle. He's never had issues throwing the ball over the middle, but at some of those vertical passes specifically outside the hash marks where I just don't know if he has the arm talent to consistently throw with the big boys in the NFL, but still, you know, he's definitely multiple tiers, echelons, leagues, whatever, word you want to use better than what the Broncos have had on this roster over the past two seasons. And they can play complimentary football with him and he can, he can run the offense and keep things in target. As long as he's protecting the football and not, you know, constantly putting out their three and outs. That's, that's a huge improvement for this Broncos offense. Right. Yeah. Like I said, he, he definitely missed a couple throws, but I'm not going to be too worried yet. If we start seeing that in the season on a consistent basis, then yeah, there's going to be some worry about it. But I, I do think some of that is just a little bit of first time being on the field. He's, he's the man, just a little bit hyped up. I, I was listening to somebody on the radio talking about that a little bit today of, of having to adjust the player's speed during games compared to practice. Because even if they are running full speed in practice, it's still not quite game speed. And you still got to learn how to, how to work within the game. I guess, of where a player is going to be compared to where he is in practice a little bit. So, like I said, I'm not too worried. It's still, like you said, a very big improvement over last year. Anybody that we stuck out there last year, it was downright terrible. So, pretty much you could stick a a sack of potatoes out there and you'd be better than last year. But, oh, goodness. I, I, I don't even want... I'm having flashbacks of last season. And even Trevor Simeon's interception, I'm remembering that where he threw it way behind his tight end here in the preseason. Anyway, that's last week. and uh, But, yeah, it, it's it was good to see the offense moving. It was good to see the first-string offense put up 10 points there in the first three drives. That's something we haven't seen in a while. And got the run game and the pass game going and got the tight ends involved. That was kind of nice. And, and let's talk about that, the weapons for this offense. DT didn't play. I I, kinda, I mean, I, I don't expect him to miss this next one because it's the big dress rehearsal, but just kind of trying to – I think he has a wrist injury. Is that right? Uh, I believe so, yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure it's just a cautionary thing. You don't want to get it more injured during a game like this. That doesn't matter. But Deshaun Hamilton, this is why I love this kid. This is why I keep saying that there is a chance that he could actually have a bigger year than, than Cortland Sutton is because he can find his way onto the field because he is such a great route runner. He gets himself open so often. I mean, there was probably about three or four great routes that he ran in that game that should have been huge plays that were just barely missed. That that opening play where they ran the, uh, uh, the flea flicker. Yeah, I mean, he was wide open. And unfortunately... Keenum ended up getting hit and the ball fluttered and it just didn't connect. And then that touchdown pass was missed. But like you said, that the, the one, the best throw of the day from Keenum was that timing throw with Hamilton where he fit 
fitted between about three players into a perfect window. Hamilton was exactly where he needed to be. And, and that's what I've heard all the, from people from training camp is Hamilton never messes up with where he's supposed to be. He is always where the quarterback wants him, always running the right route, always knowing what he's supposed to be doing. And that's just so rare for a rookie to be able to do that. So, again, he's going to find his way onto the field a lot. Cortland Sutton, of course, had his big pass interference play, then his big touchdown, where you just get to see that amazing athleticism that he brings to the table. Emmanuel Sanders looks like he's in midseason form. And then the surprise player, the guy that we were talking about even just a week ago, that he was going to struggle to make the roster because he couldn't find the field because he kept being injured, is, is Hireman. And, and who is this guy? I mean, <laughs> he comes in and he looks like a, a, a number one tight end. He's throwing guys to the ground. He's making great catches. He's running after the route. I mean, it, it, there's just so many things to really like about what Hireman brought to the table. But yeah, I mean, the, the big good. question, he did. He, but it's always a big question with Hireman of one, can he stay healthy? And two, can we see this kind of effort every single week? Because that's another thing that's always been a big question with him is he's not an effort guy. He's not going to lay out for a pass. He's not going to uh, put in that extra work. But I, I heard from somebody that that Hireman actually did put in a lot more work this offseason and has looked a lot better than a lot of people thought. But I don't know. I, wh- which Hireman are we going to get the rest of the season, if you had to guess? Hopefully the one we saw, but I'm going to take all the other data and say we probably won't see that level of contribution, contribution at least a play-by-play basis, because... I mean, what has he done so far in his career? That said, he did flash. He made some plays underneath. He was pushing guys off. I thought he wasn't too bad in the run game either, blocking. And that route he ran on that two-point conversion, first off, beautiful play call. And second, you know, great job, Keenum, Hireman selling it and wide open over the middle for that two-point conversion. So fingers crossed. I mean, you know me. There's probably not many people out there. I love the defensive line. I love the offensive line. And, man, I love the tight end. So I probably have to be being an (laughs) Iowa fan. So that's, let's hope that it continues because it would be big for the team if they could get a tight end contribution. And it would be huge for Case Keenum because he's a guy, like we talked about, he likes throwing it over the middle. And if you do not have a tight end that's a viable option, Case is going to be a much worse quarterback. So that'll be big for the team. And I hope he can stay healthy and keep it up. Of course, it comes on a contract season, but Hireman's a guy, he flashed a lot. I thought he looked really good. And if he can keep it up, it's going to be just huge for the offense. And, and speaking of the tight end position... There's two more things I want to talk about. Jake Butt, haven't seen him hardly do anything. Yeah, I, the most I've seen him is is trying to block, and it did not look pretty. Yeah, not block well. Let's put that. Yeah, out there. yeah, it, it was oh, it was bad. And then on the other side of the field, this is our our next thing that we really want to talk about is tight ends. When is this ever not going to be a problem for the Broncos on the defense? Doesn't look like it's going to be this year. <laughs> unfortunately yeah the last two games tight ends have still destroyed the broncos and i know they brought in sua cravens to to be that guy that's supposed to stop him and so far he's been hurt and supposedly he had a setback on his knee last week and they're hoping that he'll be back this week but still uh, this is gonna be the the place that teams can destroy us and i look around well i mean you look at the chiefs travis kelsey he continues to have big games against the Broncos, and I, I would expect that to, to continue. I, I don't. Th- is there any answer other than Cravens maybe surprising people and coming in and doing something great? Do you have any other answers for this position? Well, there is hopefully Will Parks getting more chances there. And I think also the Broncos have been blitzing a lot more than they will during the regular season. And that leaves a lot more spaces over the middle of the field and quick passes, which normally the tight ends are, you know, not as athletic. So they're closer to the line of scrimmage than the quarterback. And I think the Broncos are, I mean, Joe Woods right now is calling up a lot of pressure, but there's, I don't see any way that they're going to blitz as much as they've been blitzing in preseason. At least I don't think so. I mean, I'd be really surprised. I wouldn't do that. Maybe I'm a boring Iowa fan, but I think the back end doesn't have enough talent and most of the great defenses in the NFL generate pressure organically. So not sending as many linebackers, safeties, et cetera, consistently will hopefully help with some of those tight end big plays. But I don't know if they have the horses there over the middle. I mean, Brandon Marshall, he looks lighter, he looks faster, but still haven't really seen him make a huge contribution covering a tight end. Will Parks got injured. 
but he's supposed to be back, so that's good. Cravens, you know, where are you? And then I don't see Davis or Jewel being guys who, at least man coverage-wise, are going to do much stopping tight ends over the middle of the field. I just don't think they have the the speed to keep up with most of the athletic tight ends in the league. So I just don't know if you have the personnel for there. It's something you may have to just live with this season. And if a team beats you via the tight end, then a team beats you via the tight end. But it's been an issue since even Wade Phillips was here, the the Bronco coach that everybody likes to call back to that Elway was stupid to let go. But it was an issue then too. It's still an issue. And I don't see it changing dramatically this season. It's still going to be a problem. No, I, I agree. I mean, this is definitely, it's, it's still going to be the, Achilles heel of this defense. Now you've heard that there might be some talk that they're looking at some trades. Yeah. But uh, we'll just have to see how that plays out. Cause I mean, everybody's making phone calls right now. That's mm-hmm. just part of preseason is trying to increase your roster and asking who teams are willing to, to part with. And I'm sure a lot of teams are calling the Broncos asking about their pass rushers. So I, I don't know. Well, we'll just have to see what the final roster ends up being of what they can bring to the table. But as of right now, I'm just, I'm not hopeful that tight ends aren't going to still have good good days against the Broncos. Doesn't mean the defense is going to be terrible. Just means they they're going to have to work to try to cover up that weakness there. And and speaking of, I, I guess I would call it a weakness in the cornerbacks this last game. Now they didn't have Chris Harris, which is very very big deal when you're talking about the cornerback group. And they did okay. I wouldn't say anything spectacular. Brock looked. Decent, but he, I mean, you have noted in here, he, he wasn't really tested a whole lot. So it's hard to really know that the Bears really went after the item. I mean, <laughs> for two games straight, te- quarterbacks continue to go after this kid. And I mean, it's understandable. He's a rookie. You want to, if you want to test anybody, you always want to go after the rookie. And right now he's showing he doesn't really have awareness. He's usually in position but he just doesn't know when to turn his head. He doesn't know when to look back and, and stick his arm up. And and I was watching a, a, a cornerback today for Georgia. I'm trying to remember. Last name, Baker. Is it yeah, DeAndre right. Baker? Yeah. And one of the things I loved about watching him was he always seems to know when to put his hand up to knock a ball down. And he's very, very strong at the, the point of contact with that wide receiver. And that's just something – Yadam has to really work on, and that's just going to come with more experience. I mean, a lot of rookie running or rookie cornerbacks coming in. This is one of their big struggles is just knowing when to turn around. Yeah, I just feel like as Chad talked about it, he referenced me a few times on the his last podcast. But the ball skills and the closing speed just aren't quite there yet, and the, the teams are throwing at him. He's birthed by fire right now, so hopefully he's you know learning from it, and he definitely looks better than Langley does. So there's some hope there but I don't know if he's just quite ready. That said, Jermaine Brock, I thought, played pretty well. Granted, Trubisky didn't really target him, but that's an encouraging sign because the Broncos, I mean, even if Jermaine Brock is a slightly below average starter, they need some depth at that position, and if he can play there, that's that's big. But speaking about depth, linebacker, uh, up and down, Todd Davis being back made a huge difference for this team. That play that he made where he stopped that running back, on third down. I know the Trubisky still got the fourth down on a QB state, but that third down stop he had where he like beat across two offensive linemen. I mean, whoo, Todd Davis way to go. That was an awesome play. He's still always going to have issues in pass coverage. You know, that's just something you're going to have to expect. How many fantastic three down linebackers are there in the league this day? You know, there's only a finite amount, but Todd Davis, as far as a box linebacker and even more and more so as a sideline to sideline guy in the run game, I think he's pretty good. I think he's the best football is, you know, happening right now. And I think he's the best linebacker the Broncos have right now on the roster. So I'm happy they retained him. And he's definitely a huge piece for this team and their ability to stop the run. Brandon Marshall, he had a couple good plays. He looks fast out there, but he also looks small and he was getting beat by offensive linemen. I mean, the run game, there's a few plays where he's a little bit slow to mental process too, or a little bit confused where he's going. There's some one play where he's like in a dead zone the whole time and just getting beat by offensive linemen and run plays. So Marshall, there's been talk that he's been trending down in camp and everything. So that's that's something to worry about. And Jewel, up and down again. The instincts are great. The Obviously, you know, just the feel for it, not taking many false steps, but he's still not a, an incredible athlete in space. He can get there most of the time because he's already reacting to the play as it's happening. You know, he's already heading that way. And also Jewel issues with getting off blocks when you run at him. If an offensive lineman gets a free free release to the second level and gets on Jewel, that can be an issue for that team. 
So it'll, it'll be interesting to watch this linebacker spot. Johnson had a good hit as well, but I think, you know, Gerald Garcia, Williams, Zaire Anderson, everybody behind those four, man, not good, not good. So that, that's something to watch about. And again, talking about can't covering tight ends, safeties, an issue, you know, that strong safety spot. Will Parks, solid, you know, got injured. We haven't seen Cravens out there. You're not seeing Darian Stewart go up against those tight ends. And I don't see any of these linebackers as guys that really are tight end erasers right now. I just don't see the the fluidity or coverage skills as far as man coverage goes for these guys. And if you want to play them in zone coverage, that's a totally different conversation, which is also another reason I think Josie Jules' pass coverage grades from college were so high because Iowa avoids man coverage like the plague. So you never have linebackers going up man-to-man coverage against tight ends or running backs, really, probably less than, gosh, 10% of the defensive play calls, if that. So it'll be interesting to follow, but I, I'm not super excited about this linebacker group. But Todd Davis being back in there uh, helps a lot, and I think Jewel is going to be an eventual starter on this team as well before his rookie contract's done. Oh, for sure. I I, I know the team really loves him. They, they yeah. love his potential and, and what he brings to the field. And like you said, just as a rookie, knowing exactly where he needs to be on a play and, and heading there before the ball snaps. Uh, I mean, that's there, there's very, very few linebackers that that are rookies that could handle that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I can think of like, uh, uh, oh, I don't know. I just there's there's only been a few in the last few years, I would say. But yeah, definitely a position to kind of watch. It wouldn't surprise me to see the Broncos bring in somebody else, either somebody that's cut or even trade for that kind of position. But uh, a couple guys that we really noticed a lot, both games have just been studs, and that's Justin Simmons and Shelby Harris. It's not only that uh, Justin Simmons is going to turn into a star. You've been saying that for a while. I mean, he made that that, that interception play was just – Perfect. I mean, there's nothing better that he could have done on that play other than score a touchdown. Still returned to 20 yards. Well, yeah, he did. Yeah. And, and it was, it was pretty, but, and, and Shelby Harris, I mean, he has been just so disruptive, disruptive over the middle. Yeah. I mean, I I talked about it last week, this man, he is so much fun to watch. He just shoots gaps. He's got power. He gets low. He wins with pad level. He wins with different kind of technique moves. I mean, it's, it's pretty fun to watch him. He's, he's my underrated player to really emerge as a star this year. The teams are really going to take notice and go, we got to know when this kid is in the game. And because he's, he's good in both the run and pass game. I mean, that's the nice thing about him. And, and on that note, I wanted to kind of mention another guy that has really shined the last two games as well. And it's a guy that we have not talked well about on this show, but Demarcus Walker. I mean, he's got to get some credit because he's been a very good pass rushing option up the middle. He's really won early in snaps. He's a guy that shows no quit on any plays, which is something. I mean, we saw that on the tape in college. He just has that kind of motor. But it's nice to see him back in the middle and able to use that speed that he turns into power, that he can get, like I said, he can shoot gaps, get into the quarterback's face in a hurry. And that's just something the Broncos did not have last year. They didn't have, other than Shelby Harris, a guy that did any kind of disruption up the middle. So it's nice that they have some options this year for sure. Yeah, I like Walker's ability to rush the passer, especially going forward. I mean, you listen to the podcast, we always said his role in this league is a sub-package three technique where he can go forward and attack a guard one-on-one. And lo and behold, that's what they're doing right now, and he's finding success. Is that worth the 51st overall pick? I mean, if he can generate a lot of sacks and pressure, I think in today's NFL it can be. But his limitations as a five technique, as a run stuffer, and everything like that is one reason we dogged the pick. Uh, and also guys like Cedric Ogaboy on the board, who's been really good in Cleveland, and Zach Cunningham, who's been uh, one of their stars in Houston so far this year. So that's why a little bit of buyer's remorse there. But yeah, that one sack or the hit that he had on the quarterback where he kind of got that second burst where he got around that the guard and the tackle kind of carried a guy inside and he had a straight line to the quarterback. Man, he, he can close some distance in a hurry going forward. So I'm excited to see that. And I'm also hoping to see him on some stunts with Chubb as well, where, you know, Chubb, Chubb kind of goes wraps around the inside and you see DeMarcus Walker kind of cut and attack that tackle. Cause I think, you know, that's some, that's some areas where he can be really disruptive and effective, but don't play him in base technique. You know, Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, Adam Gotsis, all 
multiple tiers better than him right now as a run stuffer. But if Marcus Walker can be a viable pass rusher at three technique, you know, that four technique, five technique, et cetera, et cetera and get after the pass rusher in third and long, you know, second and long, then that's going to be valuable for this team. So good job, Walker. And we've been calling for some interior pass rush for years now. So that, that'll be big. And finally, one thing that, again, do we talk about the offensive line not getting enough credit? I feel like this is getting some credit, but I don't think people are comprehending enough how valuable this can be, and that is the special teams improvement. I mean, obviously, Marquette King had some incredible voodoo-level punts out there. Even one that was a touchback, I mean, if the offensive player doesn't, or the special teams player doesn't touch it, I think there's a chance it could be at the one. So just, just some crazy punts from Marquette King, and he's just getting warmed up. And I don't mind the dancing out there as long as he's out there booting the ball well. And I think the coverage units look pretty good as well. I mean, Brendan Langley not making great plays on defense, but special teams-wise making plays, and they're running down there and covering well. And last season, the Broncos stunk. They turned over the ball a lot, and their special teams units, especially the coverage units, were not very good. And that resulted in the Broncos giving opponents short fields a lot of time. And that's going to switch this year. I think that's going to be a big difference. I mean, it's a big difference averaging starting from the – you know, you're the opponent's 40 or whatever it was last year, 35 to the 25 or below. So that'll be big for the Broncos. And that difference, you know, how many times have the Broncos, you know, been punted within the five yard lines and then it's a three and out. You give the other team incredible field position and they score a touchdown immediately after they get the ball back. So that's something to hopefully we'll turn it around the other way and have teams on the goal line more often and breathing down their necks. But special teams has been great. And finally, I have two, one little rant I want to get to, not really rant, but that McKenzie, I thought McKenzie had a solid game, but he had that fumble at the end. And I see some people complaining about McKenzie's fumble. I mean, what on God's green earth could he have done about that play besides turning to the Incredible Hulk? That defender came up from behind, had a full-on Thor hammer smack on the football and punched it out. I, I can't think of a single player in the league that that ball wouldn't have been on the ground from that move from that defender. Great move. I mean, maybe he should have just gone down, although they were down at the time, and that would have been a loss of... I believe a loss of uh, yardage. So it sucks that he fumbled it, but I, I had, that's 120% more good job by the defender than McKenzie fumble, fumbling and messing up. You know, granted they, there's a reason people are a little bit, you know, triggered by that because McKenzie's had ball security issues, but on that play, I'm not having it. That, that was just a great play by the defender. Well, I think about that. Uh, well, he did a fair catch on that punt where he ended up getting hit. Mm-hmm. And he held on to the football. Yeah. I mean, that that's pretty impressive because you start letting your body relax a little bit. You know you've called a fair catch. And boom, somebody comes up and hits you full on. And to hold on to that football, I, I, I don't think he's the same player he was last year. I, I really think he worked hard at, at what he's done this year. And, and I think he has an opportunity to be an impact player for this team. Yeah. So I... I really hope he can show that for the next couple games and, and really prove that he deserves to be on this roster because, again, he's just another weapon that this this team can really uh, use in many different ways. But especially and in special teams. Well, yeah, especially in special teams, that punt return ability. I, I mean, you saw it on that touchdown that he got. He went from zero to, to 100 in about two steps. Uh, it was that special. There's yeah. not many teams that have somebody with that kind of explosiveness as, as a punt returner. Yeah. So I, I, I just, like I said, I hope he can show something over the next couple games and really show that that fumble was more of just an anomaly than, than a consistency. Yeah. And finally, Chad Kelly, he had a good game. I thought his footwork was improved and he has obviously much more God given arm talent than Keenum has. He can make throws that Keenum will never make in his career. I'm still curious about his ability to protect the football and go through the the progressions. And all the talk from Dove Valley is that they're still looking for a veteran backup. You know, they, they apparently made a offer on Teddy Bridgewater, although now they're denying it, which means the jets probably said no. So um, take that as you will. But Chad Kelly playing well, um, firing up the offense. And if the Broncos do bring a veteran quarterback, there's no way they can subject Chad Kelly through the waiver wire at this point and try to get him on the practice squad. He's just, he's shown too much, the arm talent, the athleticism, the moxie in the pocket, all that stuff is there. Is he ready? I mean, if you're saying Chad Kelly should be the starter right now, though, please just, just log off. 
just <laughs> just just stop it. That's that's no way that's going to happen. And if that does happen, the Broncos are in a world of hurt because Keenum can run the offense much more much more well. I know Chad Kelly has better God given abilities, but I mean, Jay Cutler had great God given abilities. It didn't make him a fantastic quarterback. So there's a lot more to it than that. But Chad Kelly, I mean, tip your hat. He's playing his way for a number two quarterback, and if he plays again, plays well again this week against the Redskins, I mean, honestly, let him have it. He's he's played well, and either way, if Keenum goes down, unless you're trading for Teddy Bridgewater, this season's probably going to be lost anyway. So ride with the young guy. Right. That that was kind of my thought there. I, I just don't like using draft capital to go get a backup ca- quarterback unless it is somebody you view that could be a real quality starter. Yeah. And I just don't think I. From what I understand, the Jets are really wanting pretty big compensation. Yeah. Because they know there's a lot of teams out there that are starting to hurt for some quarterbacks. And and eventually, there's going to be a team that has their starter go down. And like we saw when the Vikings panicked and traded up a traded a first-round pick for really an average quarterback, Sam Bradford. And so there's no reason for them to trade for anything less right now. Yeah. But... I don't know. Like you said, Chad Kelly, we got to give him props because, again, here's another guy that we said, I don't really like his potential in the NFL. I don't know if he had the mental ability. That was the thing, you know, on and off the field. Is he making the right right decisions? Is he going to put in the work to do it? Because as Paxton Lynch has obviously shown, if you're not putting in the work, it's not going to happen. Right. I mean, everything that Chad Kelly had shown so far, mental makeup wise, was not good up to this point. So maybe he is one of those guys that things clicked. He just finally hit that rock bottom. Maybe going out and trying to fight a high schooler is his rock bottom. I don't know, but I I mean, I, I, it's in the Broncos best interest for Chad Kelly to turn into something, obviously either as a backup or a starter, because he's a cheap backup. Yeah. I mean, if you can have a quality backup and have them on a rookie contract, that's great. Plus, yeah. they can turn into trade capital at some point if you want to do that. Or, like I said, if you can turn into a starter. He's still got a lot to prove, but he's definitely shown more through two games than I ever thought he would. I, I got to give him props for that. He's he's really shown something. And he's made some mistakes along the way, which is going to happen. And he's still going to make more mistakes along the way. But he's also shown some some throws and some ability and just some calmness in the pocket. I mean, his ability just to, to scan the field before the snap and just really look like he knows what he's seeing, that, that's impressive for a guy that hasn't played football in a couple of years. So, I, like I said, you got to give him his credit, and he's definitely risen up, and he's definitely earned being the second quarterback for the Broncos right now. And it's not just that Paxton Lynch lost it. It is that Chad Kelly has proven enough to show that he's won it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. I feel like the team, though, is still looking for that veteran backup because they don't know if Chad Kelly can come in and win games right now. But he's proven everybody wrong that's been a naysayer so far. So hopefully he'll keep it up because that's good for the team. (laughs) All right, now time for my standouts. I actually went a little more positive this week. uh, Four positives, four standouts, and three letdowns. My standouts are Garrett Bowles. I think he's looked better and better every single week. He looks much stronger than last year. His recovery ability, he's staying balanced. And he's still showing that kick-butt ability in the run game. And he's committed no penalties so far. So Garrett Bowles looking better and better. And I'm excited to see him progress this season and even after this season. Now he's, he was a raw tackle, and he was always going to take a little bit to develop because of how raw he was. And he's looking good out there. So put that talented guy, still just 26 years old, on that rookie contract playing left tackle. I mean, that's that's big for the team going forward. Other stand-up, we already talked about him, but obviously Hireman. Best game of his Bronco career to date. Hopefully he'll keep it up because that would be huge for the team. Next one, Justin Simmons. Uh, I feel like I've been a big fan of his since he was drafted. He was one of my favorite safeties in that draft class. I was ecstatic when they drafted him, and he just keeps you know, proving me right. So keep it up, Justin Simmons. And then Tremaine Brock. Good game. I've been a naysayer on here for a bit, but he wasn't really tested that much. But, you know, that's, that's okay for a cornerback. If they're not throwing at you, normally that means they're doing something good. So... Tremaine Brock rounds out my standouts. Good list. All right. Well, mine are, I'll start with Demarcus Walker. Again, just showing that inside presence, that inside ability to get after the quarterback and get after him in a, in a hurry. I mean, that's yeah. that's something the Broncos, again, just have not had. And then Connor McGovern, 
again, a guy that there's a lot of question marks coming into the season of could he really rise up and be that starter? And, and so far, some of it is that the players behind him haven't done anything or have been injured, but it's also some of it has been, he's really improved from last year. So I, I don't worry about him as much as I was before this, the preseason started. And then my next guy, of course, has to be my, my wide receiver, Deshaun Hamilton, man. Again, how many times is he just open? Yeah. This kid, he's going to be something special for the Broncos. He's going to be a nightmare for teams to have to guard. So very excited about his future. And then my other one is a backup in Cyrus Kwanju. Back-to-back weeks uh, on our list. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, he just he's done nothing wrong. I, I haven't seen a play where I felt like, oh, man, that guy really looked overpowered or out of sorts or off balance or anything like that. He just looks like a guy that belongs. Mm-hmm. And so just I got to give him props again because that that's a, that's so valuable to have that swing tackle that you can stick in there and trust. Now, I don't know how he's going to do on the right side. That's my one big question yeah. with him. Yeah. So far, he's only played left side. And earlier, before he came to the Broncos, he was better at the left than he was the right. And I worry more about Valdir getting hurt than I do Bulls. Yep. So I, I, I don't know. But I still, like I said, nothing he's done so far on the field gives me anything to, to question about what he can bring to the field. So very, very excited about what, what he's doing there. All right. My letdowns, number one, Shane Ray. There was a converted offensive ta- defensive line to offensive tackle that beat him a few times, and then you saw Marcus Rush come in and Jeff Holland come in and beat that guy. I think his last name is Crowder, Chowder, I think. He's from Old Dominion. That's what I remember. And Ray was struggling against him. He was getting stonewalled. And for being a guy who was apparently making – big moves all off season as far as, you know, flashing in camp and everything. I thought he's been pretty much a non-factor in both preseason games so far. And sounds like the Broncos are very willing to part ways with him if need be, because he's been not really stepping up for it. And I don't think they have any future plans for him. So Shane Ray, number one, let down number two, let down Ronald Leary. I'm not too worried about him yet, but he's been rusty. I think he's, once he gets back out there and, you know, cohesion with the unit, it'll be better and better, but, he got beaten a few times. I mean, there's really underrated player, uh, Robertson Harris, six foot five, 300 pound defensive lineman for the bears who beat him on a couple of plays. And also Akeem Hicks was beating him, not, not totally beating him, but you know, giving him all he could handle uh, at the left guard spot. So Leary, I thought, you know, thought of him coming back. I was hoping for a little bit more and I thought he, he let me down a little bit. And then Brandon Marshall, he was better than he was week one but still some plays where he's getting beat and the tight ends are still winning part of that schematic, of course. But I, I think Brandon Marshall overall, especially with how well Todd, Todd Davis played next to him, it just kind of let me down. I agree with all three of those. My list is Jake, Butt. where is he? I mean, we already talked about that it, for a guy that we heard really great things about what he was doing in training camp and OTAs and all that kind of stuff. So far, he's been pretty non-existent other than seeing him get beat around the edge in some run and pass plays. And then Devontae Booker, man, this guy had such a great opportunity. They get rid of C.J. Anderson. Here comes Devontae Booker with this opportunity as the veteran, the guy that's going to be given the first opportunity, and, and he's just done nothing with it. I, I There's been no runs that I'm like, oh, man, okay, I could see it. I could see B- Booker being the the main guy. And and sticking to that same position, D'Angelo Henderson. Last preseason, he was one of the very best Broncos on the team last year in preseason. He was explosive. He was making guys miss. He just looked like a playmaker. And so far, I just haven't really seen any of that this year. So a little disappointed in him because I thought maybe he could sneak into that conversation of, of really getting into some reps. But right now, I'm just... I'm pretty down on him. So th- those are my three guys. I just, I think have to make some noise here in these last couple games. All right. Well, we still have a bit to get to, but before we do, let us tell you about why you need to become a mile high huddle VIP subscriber. Mile high huddles approach to covering the Broncos. isn't just about reporting the news. Although we do pride ourselves on being able to relay you all the breaking news on the Broncos as it's happening in real time. But what we like to primarily focus on is breaking down the Broncos from a very in-depth perspective. 
all 22 film reviews, X's and O's, deep dives on player evaluation, preseason analysis, draft content, et cetera, et cetera. We save our best and most in-depth content for our premium members, the VIP subscribers. To become a Mile High VIP and get access to 100% of our written analysis and the VIP Insiders Forum, just click on the green banner at the top of the website. Click the monthly or annual option and you'll be locked in. From there, you get access to everything we produce, which includes any insider information we pick up along the way. We work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the internet. We ask you for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber. Pull the trigger today and you have my word, you won't be disappointed. All right, well, now moving on to the Scouts Eye preview, the last one that, you know, I guess the last preseason game and the biggest preseason game that really matters. Week four, I mean, if you're looking for those camp battles and those guys that are going to be working at Enterprise in a couple weeks, you know, that that can be pretty fun too. We'll definitely be back for that. But this is where we get to talk about many of those first stringers going at it and almost like a real game. I mean, typically you'll see the starters play the entire first half and then come out and get the first series in the second half to make adjustments to what's been going on. There's game planning for the other teams going on. So this this is as close to the real thing as the actual real thing. So really excited about that. And the Broncos get an interesting team in the Washington Redskins. Now the Washington Redskins, outside of the Los Angeles Chargers, I almost said San Diego. That's always going to be an issue with me. Outside of the Los Angeles Chargers, though, I don't think last season a team was as affected by injuries as the Redskins. I mean, that just seems like a team that always has some sort of injury. And looking over their depth chart, of course, injuries again. You got the injury mark next to the fullback, Elijah Wellman. You got an injury mark next to the number one wide receiver who just came back Sunday and Jamison Crowder. Jordan Reed's coming back from surgery where he removed bones out of his toes. What? (laughs) And then Trent Williams has been injured. Uh, you have Jonathan Allen coming back from injury last season. Matt Anitis is injured. Zach Brown, linebacker, injured. So this is a team that's already pretty beat up. So we'll be, I'll be interested to see if some of these guys do suit up and how much they play. But we're still going to talk about it. Like most of these guys are going to play anyway because if it was a regular season game, they would. But the first key matchup that I want to talk about is the Broncos interior offensive line of Leary, Paradis, and McGovern versus the Redskins interior defensive line which honestly is one of the more talented and young ones in the league. All three of these guys are on their rookie contracts, the starters that is, and Jonathan Allen, a former first-round pick from Alabama, two seasons ago got injured last year despite he was on a, a, a torrid pace. That he, I think he had a three-game stretch where he was making crazy amount of pressures and tackles for losses. Deron Payne, who I believe was the 14th overall pick this season, another Alabama defensive lineman, go figure, and uh, Matthew and. Uh, Ionitis, who's from Temple as well, and a good player in his own right. So this is a talented interior defensive line. They play a 3-4 defense, so these guys are going to be mainly tasked with playing the Broncos' interior offensive line. And this will be a good test for this unit. You know, Ronald Leary, he struggled a bit last week against some of that athleticism and talent that the Bears have on the interior. And the Broncos' offensive line did pretty well. They opened up run lanes, and that interior part was solid. I mean, we've talked about it. The offensive line has been playing better. But this is a validating test. This is a very talented interior defensive line for the Redskins. They've got a lot of athleticism, strength, and guys who are already pretty technically efficient, especially in those Alabama guys and Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. So if the Broncos can protect that pocket for Keenum so he has an area to step up and they're getting some push up the middle in the run game, I think this will be a good indicator that this interior offensive line is solid to above average this season, and it's going to be good for this team because I think it means that they're going to be able to run the ball no matter what turning back it is, unless Booker's running into his own offensive lineman constantly. But I think that if these guys, if there are interior offensive line can get some push and protect the quarterback, it's going to be a good indicator for the rest of the season. Yeah, that that's definitely my number one matchup that I'm excited to watch. And right behind that would be the Bronco tackles in Bowles and Valdir versus Kerrigan and Smith. And this really is, this is definitely one of the more underrated edge groups in the NFL, especially Kerrigan. He he doesn't get talked about with the top pass rushers or edge rushers in the NFL, but while he's probably not in that top tier, he's in that next tier for sure. And so it's going to be a great test for these, these tackles to see what they've got. And, and Preston Smith, I mean, He's kind of been up and down throughout his career, but again, he's still a tough guy to to face up against. So for the entire offensive line, if they can show well in this game, 
it really should go a long way towards Bronco fans feeling really good where this unit can go. And, and it's a unit that I think can get better even as the season goes. So if they show well here, it can even get better. But it, it's definitely some tough matchups in both the pass and run game. I mean, that's, that's the, the another thing to, to add here is there's a lot of great guys against both. They have some very good three-down kind of players here. So yeah. it's it's going to be th- – this will be the real test of the team. Yeah, everybody's been complaining about the offensive line, rightfully so, for the past – four or five seasons and if the Broncos can go out there again and protect the quarterback and run the football and open up the holes like they have been so far I mean this this offensive line's got a chance to be top 15 maybe even better obviously got to stay healthy got to keep at it but this is a big test and you you hit the nail on the head Ryan Kerrigan former first round pick in the same draft as Von Miller is I think him and Cam Jordan for the Saints are probably the two most slept slept on defensive players in the entire NFL Kerrigan can get after the quarterback, but man, he's also extremely good at the run support. He can really contain that edge and even collapse on that edge. You know, he'll push that guy inside and then he'll use his long arms and strength to move that offensive tackle and still cut off the running back at the gap. So man, he he's a sight to behold and Preston Smith up and down, but when he flashes, I mean, the athletic traits are there and he's a good run stopper as well. So this is a huge test for the offensive line. The Redskins, probably their best unit on the entire team is that defensive front five that they have. So if the Broncos show out here and can stay healthy, knock on wood, that's going to be big for this team. And honestly, feeling better than I have about this offensive line in a long time. And next is the Broncos cornerbacks versus the letdown group, which is the Redskins wide receiver. And the Broncos cornerbacks have been up and down so far. You know, last week it was more so the, the tight ends that were moving the ball on the Broncos. But the wide the cornerbacks, you know, we've been harping on here, is a concern as well. But looking at the Redskins' depth at wide receiver, it's it's not great. Jamison Crowder, he's coming back from a groin injury. Is he even going to play? He did suit up for practice Sunday, so I, I would say that he would play, but he might be limited. Paul Richardson was a – sorry, Colorado fans, but I, I would say he was a bust in Seattle, and he got paid pretty well to go there and be the wide receiver too for the Redskins, but he's struggled so far in his career. Josh Doxson, you know, looking like a busted first-round pick, and then after that it's just a, a field of names. You know, Maurice Harris, Brian Quick, Trey Quinn, Cam Sims – Simi Cobbs, you know, we'll see what happens there. But the Redskins wide receiver group is probably the least talented this Broncos team has gone up against. So hopefully this will show how uh, the guys, you know, besides Chris Harris Jr. and Roby, who I'm not worried about besides, you know, staying healthy. I think Tremaine Brock, Isaac Adam, even Brendan Langley and uh, CJ Smith have a chance to have their best game so far of the preseason because this wide receiver group is just just not as talented. This is one of those, if our secondary does struggle against these wide receivers, then it's going to be cause for concern. Yep. So I kind of like the offensive line. It's a good test to see where they're at when they're going up against a very good unit clear across the board. It's the same with our cornerbacks here. If they're going against a pretty bad unit, they should dominate. Mm -hmm. They should do really well, especially with the, the starters playing a good chunk of this game and, it sounds like for the most part, guys are getting a little bit healthy again. Will Parks is back. Sue Cravens could be back. Chris Harris will probably be back. So it uh, sounds like they're getting a little healthy in the secondary. And and again, if they can't show well against this group, it could be a long season for our secondary. All right, well, moving on here. Of course, Bradley Chubb, who had his great play, his safety in this past game. But so far, he's kind of been... I guess at best up and down so far. He's had a few moments, but he's also had some moments that you're like, Ooh, yep. That's a rookie right there. There's been, he's done the Shane Ray where he jumps inside on a run play and then they screen him off and then he gets beat to the edge. And it just makes my skin crawl. Cause that's what I hated every time with Shane Ray's teams knew this guy's going to try to shoot the gap. Just push him out to the inside. Just let him go where he wants to go and run to the outside. And so this is going to be Bradley Chubb. He's got a tough, tough matchup here. Most likely going to be going against Trent Williams on the left side, but he's also going to have some times going against Morgan Moses, who's a good offensive tackle in his own right. So if he can show well in this one, it's going to, again, it's just going to bode well thinking this guy's going to go into the season doing well. If he can beat Trent Williams, he can beat anybody. I mean, that's if we're really getting down to brass tacks here, 
you beat Trent Williams, you're pretty good. But this is going to be a very, very tough matchup for him to have to really show he knows what he's doing. He understands situations and and just can show that he can maybe become that dominant player for the Broncos. I, I, I'm interested to see what he could do. I, I think this he'll have a couple moments in this game. Yeah, he should. And Trent Williams might be the best offensive tackle in football. So Bradley Chubb, I thought there were some flashes last week, but there's also some areas where he's still raw and just learning. I mean, normally the defensive line edge guys, they're not all Von Miller. They don't always come in just owning everybody. I mean, even Miles Garrett, who was touted as the best edge rusher since Von Miller, as far as an athlete goes, was having some issues last year. So we'll see. And hopefully week by week, game by game, Bradley Chubb starts to show a little bit better. And the Redskins tight ends for the versus the linebackers, the Broncos is the next thing we want to talk about here. And a lot of this depends on if Jordan Reed plays or not. I'm guessing they will try to get him in some action. Not that they, you know, they don't need to him to prove that he's talented because when he's on the field, he's one of the more dynamic receiving tight ends in the league. He's kind of a smaller tight end wide receiver hybrid, but still, I mean, those guys, that, <laughs> that sounds like doom for the Broncos linebackers, honestly. But he needs to get some chemistry out there with Alex Smith. So hopefully we'll see him out there. If this was a game that mattered other than evaluating the players, I you know, wouldn't want him out there. But he's a guy that hopefully we'll see him out there. V- very dynamic, you know, good down the field, good in short areas. I mean, there's there's not many linebackers in this league that can keep up with him. And safeties even have issues with him as well. So, I mean, anybody who plays fantasy football knows what an enigma Jordan Reed is. Because when you have him on there, he's putting up 20-point games, but he misses 10 games a season as well. So right. he did have those those uh, bones removed from his toes. So he's trying to get out there and play. So we'll see. But he's a, he's a very interesting player. And if he's out there, he'll be a great test for the Broncos, even more so than Trey Burton. He's like a the super version of Trey Burton. Both of them undersized wide receiver gadget kind of tight ends for Florida back in the day. And then Vernon Davis, you know, he's still a decent athlete, uh, still out there making plays down the field. His hands are con- inconsistent, which Bronco fans probably know all too well versus that drop against the Steelers but he can burn tight ends and or burn linebackers when he needs to. So he's, he's a dynamic playmaker and still out there playing despite gosh, when was he drafted? 2006, something crazy, 2005. So he's been in the league for a while, but he'll be a good test for if the Broncos are, you know, struggling against tight ends and you see Vernon Davis getting open pretty easily, pretty consistently. Definitely a cause for concern. Definitely a cause for concern. And finally, Alex Smith and Jay Gruden like to target the tight ends, you know, whether it be schemed by the coach or Alex Smith work in the middle of the field, which he is known to do. So it'll be a big test for the Broncos linebackers, and I am not holding my breath. I think this is going to be one of the Achilles of the defense all season. So we'll see if that changes, but I'm not holding my breath. And if Sua Cravens can come in and play, that'll be interesting to follow as well. But again, where are you, Sua? Yeah, we'll we'll see if he takes the field soon enough. Yeah, like I said, I mean, that's probably going to be one of our matchups to watch every single week on the show. Yeah, uh, it just uh, that's kind of where where everything goes. Where are we weak? Where are we strong? Well, it's always going to be we're going to be weak against the tight end unless some team just has downright terrible tight ends like the Broncos did last year. So it's just yeah, like I said, that's just where you kind of look. What can they do with the tight end? And finally, our last group to kind of keep an eye on is the Broncos' interior defensive line versus their interior offensive line. Can they continue to be disruptive? Because this is, again, another pretty good unit here on the inside. They got your boy from from Iowa, Scherf, Mm -hmm. and he's been been a very good uh, guard there for, for Washington for quite a while here. And so, again, can they be disruptive? They, they got to continue to build on this. They got to build that confidence up and and carry it over into the season, obviously. So I'm, I'm very excited to see how that all goes and and just see if we can get some pressure. Because this is, like I said, this is a very good offensive line that, that Washington has built, one of the better ones in the league. And if we can get pressure against them, then we can get pressure against about anybody in the league, I think. Yeah. Can't disagree. All right, final segment here, besides the key matchups that we're doing for the Scout Side Preview every week, what to watch for. And we got eight things here. We'll kind of run through them because we're already over an hour. But paging Sua Cravens. Sua Cravens to the defense. Would Sua Cravens please report to the Broncos' defense? Uh, we need him immediately to see if he's viable. If not, you know, time to move on, I guess. He's a guy who's – there was questions about his work ethic between, you know, actually going out there and doing the work to get better – versus the celebrity that comes with being a football player. And, you know, I don't know the guy, so I don't, I'm not going to sit here and trash him, but got to see you on the field, dude. 
got to see on the field because the team needs you. He was brought in to be that dimebacker to be a potential solution versus tight ends. And hey, lo and behold, the Broncos defense is still getting beat by tight ends. So need to see Cravens out there sooner than later. I know there was some knee soreness, maybe some knee issues. We'll see. But I, you know, past two, three seasons, there's been issues with him. There were some issues with him at USC. So let's let's see what he has. He's got to get out there. And if not, we need to know this season because if not, it's something that the team probably needs to address next offseason, whether it be linebacker, safety, or something, because it's right. it's time. Well, and it's one of those, if, if there's anybody that needs snaps in the preseason to get warmed up for the year, it's Sue Craven since he missed all of last year. So it, it's it's a big deal that he's missing time right now. And I've, I've heard it's the Broncos that keep holding him back, that he's wanting to get onto the field, but I, I don't know. I, I just... If he's not back for this third preseason game, I'm going to actually be pretty nervous of what that's going to mean heading into the season. Because, I mean, what do you have to evaluate him on? How, how can you trust him on the field to know what he's doing? Because he hasn't been practicing at all. I mean, if he was practicing, I'd feel a little bit better, even if he was missing the games. But he's, he's not doing either. So it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And second, we have Keenum. Can he be a little more accurate this game? Can, I mean, he's, he's gotten better from first game to second game. Can he continue that progression? Can he look a little bit more accurate, get those passes down, make the, as you call them, the big boy throws, and just be a little bit more comfortable in the pocket? Because he's looked a little uncomfortable for sure. I, I just, he hasn't looked like the guy that quite what was that with the Vikings last year. And maybe that just needs a little bit more time to get there. But Got to show a little bit better if he's going to really be that impact quarterback the Broncos are hoping for. Yeah, gosh, we hope so. He's going to have to play better than he did last week. And this defense, besides the front, I think that back seven is not as talented as the Bears was. So hopefully they can move the ball through the air. And we'll see how he does versus more pressure because I think they're going to bring it this week. Um, the next one, will Jeff Hireman flash again? You know, the team needs him. And this is, again, we just talked about it. It's a softer group on the back end for the Redskins. Soft at linebacker. You know, they got a guy who's injured in Zach Brown. The guy behind him is injured in Josh Harvey Clemens. Uh, they got Mason Foster, Martel Sprite. You know, it's not it's not a great group of linebackers. And even the safeties, not great. They got free safety DJ Swearinger, who's more like a strong safety, honestly. He's more of a come downhill and hit. And I like Monte Nicholson. He flashed last year, but I still don't think he's a, a high-level starter in the league at safety. So, Hireman, this is a week to step up again. And if he can put two in a row again, I maybe, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm buying fantasy stock in him, but he's somebody that I'm going to have, you know, that little flag next to to see to track his progress to see if he's playing better because he could be a sleeper there with how the Broncos and Keenum likes to use that tight end. So, Hopefully he'll produce because Musgraves likes to use that tight end as well to run those those power formations and keep the defense on their toes. Well, speaking of those power formations, I want to see the Broncos establish the run game. Mm. This is like I said, this is a tough front front uh, four or five, whatever you want to call them here, for the the Redskins of getting after the run, getting after the passer. So can they can they get to that second level? Can this offensive line control things? Can they open things up for the pack? play action game as well through the run game. I mean, th- this offense is going to run through the run. That, that's just the way it needs to be this year. I mean, I, I like Keenum as a quarterback, but I still don't think he's one of those guys you sit there and say, oh, yep, go out there and throw 40, 50 times a game. You have to have a good, strong run game to go with him. So uh, this is, like I said, this is a great test for the Broncos to really see, can this run game just take over? Can we, when we want to run and the other team knows we want to run, we run and we run well. And and speaking of the the running game, this is this is going to be that big test of who's going to win that running back position. I mean, this is that the final warm up, like you said, the the trial for the regular season, and and uh, it's they're they're running out of opportunities to prove that they deserve to be the starter between Booker, uh, Lindsey Freeman, even Henderson. I, I don't think he's really much in the competition right now, but those top three. If, if any of them could really emerge in this game, they're going to make it very difficult for the coaches to say the others deserve to start over them. Yeah. Hopefully the young guys will continue to shine and maybe Booker will shine too. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, special teams for me is another area that we should be looking out for. If this special teams unit can keep it up, I just want to see them stay special. This will be King's first game that we'll see him as a Bronco outside of that mile high hair, mile high air. 
And the Redskins have some questions as far as both their kick returner and punt returner are listed as injured currently. So already beat up Redskins, but what's new? So hopefully the special teams will stick to it. Field position, coverage, kicking, all that good stuff. McManus being better than a 75% kicker. And if the Broncos can continually win special teams this season, that's one third of the game. And if you can win two out of three, odds are you're winning that football game. So special teams, can they continue to stay special? Well, tied to that, and I mean, this is just part of being the, the special part, but who's going to win the return duties? It looks like Lindsay has the kickoff return duties kind of wrapped up, but the punt return duties, we already talked about McKenzie. There's still that battle going on between him and Lindsay of who wins that battle. So I, I think if McKenzie can have one more big return, I think the job is his, but he fumbles in this one or really struggles to know what he's supposed to be doing on the field. I really do think they're going to have some troubles trusting him to to be their full-time guy and giving up an entire roster spot for a guy that's just going to be their returner. Uh, like we talked about earlier, that he could have a different kind of role as well in the offense, but for the most part, that's what they'd be keeping him for. Where Lindsey, I mean, this is a guy that he could be your punt returner, kick returner. He could be on pretty much every special teams unit. Plus be a running back, wide receiver. I, there, there's just a lot of things that he brings to the table and, and a big reason why he deserves to have a roster spot. He's not as explosive, but he's also a lot more trustworthy on the field. So it's definitely a battle that I'm going to be keeping an eye on and and just waiting to see one of these guys really just show that it's their job. Absolutely. And finally, will the Broncos be better at holding the edge in the run game defensively? Haven't seen it from Shane Ray. Bon Miller, pretty much out there doing pretty good. Bradley Chubb, there was one play that he gave up last week, but he was held. So not a big deal. And the Broncos just, you know, everybody needs to be flowing better, stopping that run and keeping those third and long so those pass rushers can get after it. So it'll be big for them. And if they can stop the run game, which I'm not sure if Adrian Peterson's going to play or not, we'll see. The The running back for the Redskins is not a great position right now because they lost, obviously, the second-round pick in Darius Geis. And they have Chris Thompson, who's also got an injury, and Samaj P. Ryan. So... It'll be interesting. Maybe we'll see some Capri Bibbs out there. I think he's on their roster as well. So that'll be interesting. And Carl, any predictions for the game score? I will go since the starting offense is staying out there, and I really don't think the Redskins defense is anything to get get excited about. I'll say the Broncos score 27 and hold the Redskins to I'll, – I'll keep this a close game, 27-24. Hmm. Close, close, close. I'm going to go with the Broncos offense, putting up some more points there. And I'm going to go with the Broncos winning 31 to 20. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you head on over to mile high huddle, a new affiliate of 24 seven sports and the CBS sports digital to find ours and our co-writers articles, not just related to the draft, but all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos head on over to iTunes and leave us a five star rating and a comment your support can help us continue to bring you our denver bronco deep dives each and every week we aren't just here to bring you the news but an in-depth analysis for the team building game planning x's and o's and 365 days of covering the denver broncos you can follow the building the broncos podcast and all our great audio content by subscribing to the huddle up podcast on itunes and for android users stitcher as well as check us out on youtube you can follow us on twitter at mile high huddle and at huddle up pod again please be sure to share and subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.